Hello everyone, this is a new episode of the Stereotyper podcast. After living in the UK for a few years, I found my passion to explore different cultures. Along the way, I met incredible people, discovered amazing facts and experienced many fun things to do. I'm your host, Hanya Hassan, and these are my adventures. One of the oldest surviving civilization in the world, with a long dynamic history that stretches across a colorful variety of land. Known for its fascinating culture that reaches back to the dawn of civilization, Egypt is considered one of the oldest travel destinations on Earth, with its varying landscapes, culture, and people. For the, from the hectic streets of Cairo to the sea-breathing Alexandria, and feeling the culture in Aswan, Egypt is considered one of the most historic countries in the world. Although this may seem biased, but I can already predict that this episode would be my favorite. Just before the episode, me and my guests were discussing how, as Egyptians who were born in Egypt but raised in foreign countries, we always felt the urge to defend our country or even try to correct some of the common stereotypes about us. I should probably stop talking now and introduce my guests, who are not only Egyptians but are also members of the Committee of the Arab Society. Good afternoon, Nader and Karim. Would you like to say some, a little something about yourself? Uh, good afternoon and thank you for having us here today. So to get started, I, like you said, I'm a member from the Arab Society and I'm the president of the Arab Society. And I'm a second year mechanical engineering student at the University of Manchester. Uh, differently, I wasn't raised or I wasn't raised abroad, uh, but I have been, I have, I was born and raised throughout my 19 years in Egypt, and I have went through it all. And I would be able to elaborate more like as we speak, so I'll pass it on to Karim. Hello everyone and good afternoon. I'm Karim Garada. Uh, I'm a third year aerospace engineering student, hopefully my final year. Uh, like uh, Hania said, uh, I lived in the UAE, United Arab Emirates, Dubai land basically. And I was born and raised there, so yeah, there's a lot to talk about here. And obviously we can see a lot of stereotypes growing up ourselves. So I think we can all agree that one of the most common stereotypes that Egypt consists of pyramids, desert, and some historic and or touristic places to visit. Uh, we were reading something and it said as if Egypt is all about the fairies and the Red Sea. Well, I kind of actually disagree because Egypt is a fully developed country with overwhelming places to visit. And so many, I think like I even assume that Egypt is the only country where it literally never sleeps. Pharmacies, shops, or even restaurants are open 24-7. I believe Nader could elaborate on this more because he apparently lived in Egypt his whole life. Yeah, so like during my time here at university, I've heard a lot about uh, people saying, oh, in Egypt, uh, pharaohs in Egypt, I don't know what, and the Red Sea and this sort of stuff. But like being someone that have lived throughout my life in Egypt, like as Hania said, I've visited many countries and Egypt is one of the rare countries that really they never sleeps. So you can wake up you'll find the same shops open the day you left them before. So it's just a very dynamic city and a city that always has something going on. Like it's such a place where it's very active. Like a lot of things are happening. Things are going on quickly and interestingly at the same time. So I think one point people don't really know about is that how lively Egypt is so basically in the UK you get shops that close at 6 or at 8 on weekends sometimes but in Egypt nothing closes at before 12 
you get always get people in the streets you always have traffic on the streets and people are always going out it's a it's a staying there for a bit of time always feels good because the city breathes the city is alive and that that sort of you know helps helps you go out helps you be a lot more proactive and um, i also think that this draws up to another common misconception is that girls or women in Egypt usually they don't go to school they aren't educated that Egypt is a backward country we aren't really developed obviously I disagree with this because I'm here and I'm educated and I'm doing my master's degree but it's usually said about girls who live in Egypt yeah, yeah I can elaborate more about that like I've heard this many times like oh the girls in Egypt uh, they don't go out they don't uh, they aren't they don't go to work until I don't know what and I don't know Like, this is a big misconception, like, and my the biggest proof of that is both my family members, my mother and my sister, are both working. And my grandmother, she's a teacher at school, so, like, this shows, like, the girls, especially in Egypt, have been working, like, since them back ages, so, like, it's nothing but a stereotype about girls working in Egypt. Like... We are very similar, actually, to the Western world, where people may work at a younger age. For example, like, she might be doing a part-time job during her studies. And also, like, as soon as she graduates, she'll be fetching and searching for a, a stable job at that point. So we are very similar to the Western world, if not the same, actually. Yeah. I feel like uh, it's one of the topics where people just have false information about this, so... Uh, for me as well my mother has always been working from home even though I didn't live in Egypt but also family members that did live in Egypt they always had uh, jobs that did matter so my uh, one of my uh, my aunt is a is a doctor and she's always uh, out there in the clinic helping out people and my other aunt works for the uh, Spanish embassy and they always they always doing their jobs and they always working so it's a uh, woman in Egypt to have a place in the industry and they always have and they always will But also, I feel like this is one preconception that's not just about women in Egypt, but a lot of people as well. Because I've I've had people ask me before, what do you learn in Egypt? Do you talk English in Egypt and that that sort of stuff? And uh, uh, a lot of people just don't know that we're 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 kind of developed. Our education system has been set and has been there for from ages ago. And people in Egypt actually talk a lot of uh, like uh, talk English. So if you t- if you go down in the streets in Egypt and try and talk English to them, you'll be able to have conversation with a lot of people. So a lot of people just don't know that, and it's uh, it's the kind of information that doesn't get out to the public. And uh, yeah, I think this brings us to what, something that me and Nadir were discussing: that how there's a common misconception that Egyptians never say "I don't know." We pretend to know everything. Like maybe this may be partially true. Like for example, in Egypt, if you want to as a tourist. We will try to help you, but not that we're faking that we know everything, just we're trying to be helpful, not more than this. Yeah, so like we were just discussing, like, it is out of good intentions, really. Like when people say, oh, and I went to Egypt, they, I sometimes got misguided. But actually, like, as Hania said, it's they are doing it out of goodwill, like good intentions. They don't mean, of course, to misguide you, but they are trying to help their best. So... A couple of weeks ago, actually, I was speaking with one of our senior lecturers in, at university, and he was just in Egypt a couple of years ago. And he said by his own words, Egypt is one of the... is what, The people of Egypt are one of the kindest that I've ever met. 
And I was like, why? Did anything in particular happen? And he was like, at many times I used to get lost and people would offer me a ride just for free to to like drop me off at my point. And he felt that that was very kind of them. And some, he also told me like sometimes he was left unguided. So, and people didn't leave him until they got him to his point. Like people kept, oh, I'll walk you through it. Uh, I'll, I'll come with you through that way. So really it is a misconception about like us trying to misguide people. It's just like they're doing it out of goodwill, good intentions. They're just a very, very kind uh, culture and population. Like I have been with them, I've been not with them, I have been in Egypt for 19 years. And I've really encountered the amount of kindness that uh, is in the people's hearts and the amount of love they have, especially for tourists coming and people wanting to help and offering the highest quality of food, the highest level of service. I think this also comes back to the fact that in Egypt, you can't actually go somewhere with Google Maps. Like it would give you the wrong destination. So that's why people are always trying to help you. Definitely, definitely. That That's a, a point to consider. Like since like the the Egypt has been undergoing a huge major, major construction, especially recently in the infrastructure of the road, the infrastructure of the of the country in general, they are trying like to improve everything in it. So Google Maps definitely sometimes doesn't spot the correct location due to road closures, uh, roads being diverted and that sort of stuff. So people act as a replace for the Google Maps and try their best actually to get people to their destination in the shortest, safest and most efficient way possible. I think this also comes back to the point that we talked about before about how the streets are lively and everything and that also like that also talks about how people always w- look out for each other trying to help out each other in, on the streets because obviously we're all in the same situation we're all living in the same country and especially with tourists around we always try and help them out and obviously because we know for example some of the neighborhoods the streets are you know we know the ins and outs and every, of everything and that this is where this comes from that we try always trying to help out because we we think we might be able to lead them to where they want to go to um also one common stereotype that i started actually knowing about or hearing it since i came here to university of manchester is that egypt is a super warm country like we never get winter it never gets cold i think this comes from the fact that we're in africa and africa is a fairly warm continent but like I haven't traveled to Egypt in the winter, but my family over there, they always say that like, especially in the two past years, it was getting really cold and like it even, I think, snowed last year or the year before. Yep. So Have uh, you witnessed the snow or anything? Yeah, yeah, I was just in Egypt like a week ago. I was attending a important ceremony really and tell me about the, about the cold weather. Actually, it's a good weather, but it is a very cold weather. The difference between the weather in Egypt and the weather in the Western countries is that maybe in Egypt for winter, the the cold there is like a cold that just goes through your body, if you know what I mean. Like it goes through, passes through your bones, even if you're wearing a, a hoodie and a coat, like it just passes through which makes it actually very cold. So for me, I have lived in Manchester for the last two years. And for me, the when it's cold in Egypt, it's worse off for me than when it's cold in Manchester. So I prefer the Manchester cold and the rainy Manchester northern weather 
than the weather in Egypt as it really gets really cold and reaches like temperatures such as uh, 7 degrees Celsius and that sort of stuff. So it can get pretty chilly and pretty cold, especially at nights. And if if you want to know more about the cold weather in Egypt, it's more about if you go to the desert areas and these sort of areas where there's nothing like to protect the winds. So it really gets pretty chilly and pretty cold. Uh, I mean, uh, this is it, it recently, only recently, it's been getting really, really cold, like less than 10 degrees. But we in the winter, we u- always usually get around from 15 to 10 degrees, which is uh, a pretty good atmosphere. It's ha- somewhat halfway between desert cl- climates and what people are used to in Europe, where it's raining 24-7 and whatnot. But the uh, thing in Egypt is... is when it's winter, it doesn't rain as much, but it's all about how cold it is. And it's, uh, as Nader said, it's like it's the kind of cold that's freezing. It's, it's a chilling cold where it gets straight to you. And also another point that doesn't help out really is uh, insulation. So like, buildings in Egypt and homes and apartments and whatnot were not built to withstand that, like, to keep out that kind of cold because obviously it, was the, it wasn't that cold back in the day. But now, since it gets this cold, it doesn't help out at night when it's the houses are not properly warmed up so yeah i always like tell my family that even though here in the uk it's really cold but at least like here in every apartment or like even the bus we have heaters while in egypt people don't really have heaters and this actually brings us to one of the i think it's one of the most common stereotype about the arab world itself that we all speak arabic so we all tend to understand each other as like Everyone that speaks English, like the US and, and like the UK people here, they could understand each other. But for us, I think like it's really interesting how in the Arab world it's kind of divided. So like, for example, countries like Syria and Lebanon, they can speak like similar dialects. The Gulf, they all speak almost the same Arabic, while it's just Egypt is the only one that we speak our own Arabic. I feel like with Arabic, it's... Uh... It, it may be one language, but it's definitely more than one language. It's similarity, dif- differences between the Arabic dialects, different Arabic dialects. So, for example, the people from uh, uh, Sham countries and people from uh, uh, Moroccan countries and whatnot, they speak completely different dialects of Arabic. And it's it's almost similar like to how different Fran- French, Spanish and Italian are because... If you if you learn the basics of two, you can somewhat speak the third language. So if you learn Spanish and French, you can somewhat speak Italian. But they're all different languages, and I feel like that's how it is with Arabic. Uh, sometimes, for example, when people from Algeria, Morocco, Tunisia speak, even we people from Egypt can't understand them. And uh, same thing with people from the Gulf countries, Sham countries, all of that. It's a it's a, a a wide variety of languages, and all of us use different words. So, for example, milk in Egypt, we say uh, Laban. But Lebanon and other countries means uh, you know like something uh, yogurt the yogurt like liquid so it's a it differs a lot between the dialects and that makes a massive difference between all of us when we try and get together when someone says something and the, uh, another person from another country maybe doesn't get it and yeah yeah so adding on from what Karim has just said like our dialect really is a different dialect than the rest of the Arab world or the rest of the Middle Eastern world, like in Egypt, we use a fairly, for for me, maybe it is a fairly easy language to understand, easy, easy dialect to understand. And also like, and in the other countries, the other Arab countries, they use a much more 
intense maybe Arabic for me but that a huge role also is played in the accent of the of the Arabic language itself so different places have different accents like in Egypt we have a really solid accent maybe other places like maybe Saudi they have a more of a twist in their accent which would make it harder for us to understand their words their terminology their use of accent their dialect so it's just the world of Arabic really many language many ways of speaking the language many dialects many accents and actually that's what makes the the Arabic language especially the Egyptian language special I feel yeah so is there any other stereotype that you'd like to discuss these were the ones that were just on the top of my mind but I, I couldn't actually find any more if there is anything you'd like to add uh, I get that a lot of times that people feel uh, when we speak Arabic uh, and especially Egyptian they feel like we're being rude or aggressive a lot of people have been saying that especially with our body language like, uh, you know how Egyptians when we speak we always use our hands and yeah to animate and stuff and a lot of people tell me oh you're being aggressive man you're being rude and everything and this is just how we speak yeah it's more of really that Egyptians are a very um, we take behaviors and emotions into place so usually our hand language suggests or emphasize something from our emotions really like it's more of an emotion things that like we are trying to convey to the to the listener like it's nothing about being rude like it's more of being able to send over my feelings and my and my thoughts and behaviors to the person i'm speaking to yeah, yeah i think when you're passionate about something you're more likely exactly. to speak with your hand just try to convey your point well that was everything for today thank you so much for actually agreeing and coming and tune in next week for another episode of the stereotype if you want to contribute, make sure to get in touch with us and let us know through our Facebook or Instagram, The Stereotyper.